just what we've been crying out to, to God to do and been telling God that whether we understand it or not, that there's nothing worth more. Nothing worth more. There's no better place we could be than right here in this moment. There's nothing better we could be doing with our time than being in the presence of God. And there's nothing worth more than being changed by Him. And that invitation is that the course of saying is, Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Not only welcome in this, this room, not only welcome in this facility is... You know, we gather in this place, but the Spirit moves back in children's church with the kids. But you're welcome in our life. And, and it's an invitation for God to do something that I can't produce just by you know, going through a sermon, um, that we can't produce by raising and lowering the lights or banging on the drums or guitars louder. It is only the Spirit that can produce the change in us that needs to happen in this moment. And I praise God that He knows every single individual in this room. He knows exactly what you're going through, um, good and bad. He knows what you're struggling with, what you're wrestling with. He knows the doubts or questions you may be having in your life. And in this place, as we've been saying, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here to flood this place. Also invite Him to flood our life. And that can be scary. um, But know that our God loves us. And as we we sang, you're a good, good father that He has a great and good purpose for our life. And so what He's going to reveal as we go through uh, His Word this morning is something I hope that will impact all of us, that will change us, um, if we're a child of God already, to change us in what we do with our life and how we live out our life. And if we're here seeking, maybe you're kind of questioning about you know this whole Christianity thing, maybe you're still in that searching moment, then God bless you. And I hope this morning, my prayer has been for you this morning and all this week, is that God reveals to you uh, the truth of His Word, the truth of His Spirit, and the truth of why you're here. Um, You may have come with some other ulterior motive, um, but God has brought you here to reveal how much He loves you. So, We're in our uh, foundation series, and we have talked about God. Uh, We've talked about Jesus, and we've been building this biblical foundation in our life and in the life of this church. And so for our third week, we're going to be focusing our attention on the Holy Spirit and uh, learning about the Holy Spirit, um, coming to an understanding. So this message is kind of different, and this kind of, my confession to you, this sort of message makes me nervous, Um, and here's why. This is what what I would call a, a doctrine message. It's to give us understanding concerning the Holy Spirit. And the reason I felt led to do this in this sort of format and giving us some understanding of what the Spirit does, why it's important to know that, um, and how we are to rely upon the Spirit, is because I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. And my dad's a Southern Baptist preacher. I've been in church my entire life. And I can remember hearing Bible stories and messages about the Spirit. Uh, One of the more... I guess famous ones, is when the Spirit comes in the book of Acts and, and it shakes the foundation of the room and, and, and there's a sound of the, the rushing wind and, and people start speaking in all these different languages or, or some translations say tongues. And I, I remember hearing that story so many times, um, whether it's Bible study or in messages or reading about it in the book of Acts. I'm familiar with that one. 
I can remember hearing uh, Bible stories and, and going through lessons on the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians and, you know, just talking about what those are and what those mean and, and coming to some understanding of that. Yet I've, I've yet to fully grasp all of that and how that plays out in my life. Um, even done studies and, and, and read books on gifts of the Spirit and how the Spirit gives us gifts, enable, enabling us to do things beyond our ability for the glory of God. And I've done all that stuff. But one thing growing up is I've never had a series or a message or a Bible study focused primarily on the Holy Spirit. Who He is. What He's doing. What He wants to do. And it wasn't until I was a ministry major at college, that I was first introduced to what is called doctrine of the, of the Holy Spirit. Now, doctrine, what that means is we take the Word of God, and it gives us an understanding, an enlightenment, a, a, a discovery about how things are. And that's really what we've been doing with this foundation series. We've looked at God, and we've looked at Jesus, and now we're going to turn our attention to the Holy Spirit. Um, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. We call that the Trinity, Right? thing you need to know about the Trinity is you cannot find that word in the Bible. The word Trinity is not, it is a man-made definition concerning the three attributes or three characteristics of God um, that we define as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. But what a lot of people don't understand is that the Spirit of God and Jesus, they were all working together since the beginning of time. As we began our series on foundations looking at God, we turn to Genesis chapter 1, in verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And so we focused on God and His power and His knowledge and His love for us in that moment. But if we turn to verse 2 in Genesis chapter 1, we see the Spirit of God is evident. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And the term Spirit of God that you read there in verse 2 is synonymous with what we title the Holy Spirit. And so as we read through the Old Testament, we see the Spirit of God coming upon people. One of my favorite stories as a kid in the Bible was the story of Samson. When I look back at Samson now as an adult, I think, ugh, that's not a person you want to look up to. If you don't understand that, go read Samson and you see all of his flaws. But Samson was used by God in incredible ways, and that's the mighty God we serve. He takes even our, our deepest flaws and he uses it for his glory. But one thing I loved about Samson, he was like the incredible Hulk of the Bible, right? The Spirit of God would come upon him, and then he was given this incredible strength, and he would take on armies and you know, rip apart lions and all this stuff. It's just an incredible story. The Spirit of God was the Holy Spirit coming upon Samson. You turn to Saul in 1 Samuel, and Saul is given the power to prophesy, like the prophets, because the Spirit of God came upon him. So what we see in Scripture is the Holy Spirit is not a New Testament thing. And just because we are introduced to it in an incredible way in the book of Acts doesn't mean God's Spirit has not been working from Old Testament to New Testament. But there's a lot of thought that we don't have the Holy Spirit until you come into the New Testament and Jesus promises that it has come. But if you turn to the Gospel of Matthew real quick, and we're going to be looking at several different passages, so... If you have your Bible with you, um, I will try to tell you where we're going. But just keep in mind, you're going to keep your fingers ready or get ready to push, push your tablet or your phone to get to where we're going. In Matthew chapter 3, we have the baptism of Jesus Christ. 
And in verse 16, we read, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he came up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. This Spirit of God that came to rest upon Jesus is what we call the Holy Spirit. And I know I'm, I'm hitting this over and over again, but we need to understand as we read through Scripture, this is what it's referring to. And as Jesus saw this, the Gospel of John also lets us know that John the Baptist, Baptist who baptized Jesus, also saw this Spirit of God coming upon Jesus and also heard the voice of God say, This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. The Spirit of God comes upon Jesus, and, and what we come to understand in the New Testament, and particularly in the Gospels, is as Jesus is going about doing His ministry and doing the miracles and doing the teaching, it is the Spirit of God that is manifesting through Jesus. Now, growing up in church, I always thought it would be better if I was with Jesus physically. <laughs> you ever had that thought? You know, if I was just with Jesus, I would be more obedient than I am right now. I would be a better Christian now if I could physically see Jesus. If I heard Jesus teach, I heard him explain what he meant. If I saw the miracles, I saw the resurrection, I would be a better Christian if I could do that than I am right now. You ever had that thought? I have. But the truth of the Bible is, it's the exact opposite. In the Gospel of, of John, Jesus is preparing his disciples for when he's going to leave. And this is what he says. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. You hear that? It's to your advantage. It's for your best. Jesus was telling his followers who didn't understand where he's going, why he's going, why they couldn't go with him. He says, look, I'm going to go away, but it's actually for your best that I'm not here anymore. Because then the Holy Spirit, which he refers to as the helper, some translations call it the advocate, will come upon you. And one thing we need to understand about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is God. Equal with God. And what the Scripture tells us is when we come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, when we confess that we're sinners and we believe that God sent His Son Jesus to die for our sins, He died a criminal's death on the cross, they put Him in a tomb, He rose again, and by His resurrection we can be forgiven for all of our sins, past, present, future, what we call salvation in church. When we come to that saving knowledge of, of who Jesus is and what He did and we confess Him as Lord and Savior of our life, God then puts the Spirit, His Spirit, the Holy Spirit inside of us. Now just think about that for a moment. If you've made that confession of faith like I have, if you've trusted Jesus Christ for, as your Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God, God Himself, is inside of you. That doesn't mean you are a God. <laughs> no. But the Spirit of God is inside of you. This is the same God that created the heavens and the earth simply by speaking them into being. 
This is the same God who walked on water and fed the, fed the thousands with a little bit of food. This is the same God who cast out demons. This is the same God that caused the blind to see, the lame to walk, the deaf to hear. That God that did all this miraculous work that we look in Scripture like, wow, how did that even happen? And there's a lot of things in Scripture you're just not going to understand. But that God now is living inside of you. You ever thought about that? See, I think if the majority of Christians, myself included, if we just sat on that for a moment, there would be no rationale to say that we're weak. There's no rationale to say that I cannot do anything. There's no rationale to say that I should wallow in defeat because the Spirit of God who's given me the victory is inside of me forever. It is an inheritance that is put inside of you that does not fade, spoil, or go away. It is there for good. It's what we call the uh, security of your salvation. And the Bible tells us when we come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and we confess Him as Lord and Savior of our life, God, and He puts His indwelling Spirit inside of us as a seal of our salvation. And not only that, Scripture lets us know when that Spirit is inside of us, we now become children of the Almighty God. That we can now cry out, Abba, Father. The reality is, if I don't have the Spirit of God inside of me, I can't do that. I can't. I mean, I, if I'm not saved and spiritually not saved, I can pray all I want. I can even lead a prayer service. But God doesn't have to do anything about it. See, it doesn't mean that God doesn't hear the prayers of those who aren't saved, but it does mean God does not respond to those who have not humbly confessed His Son as Jesus Christ. Because it is the Spirit of God inside of us that gives us the words to pray when we need to, what we need to pray. Two groanings, groanings too deep for words. See, if you're not saved and yet you're still praying to God, you need to understand that's why you're not seeing God answer. He doesn't answer prayers to children who are children of wrath and disobedience. I think a lot of people are so fed up with God because they're unwilling to submit to who Jesus is and invite the Spirit into their life because they still want to be God over their life. But the Spirit, if it's in you, this is incredible what happens. When Jesus was alive on earth, the Spirit was upon him, it was in him, he was equal with the Spirit, and he did miraculous things. Would you all agree with that? Amen? Woo! I mean, come on. Those would have been cool to see. Still, to our advantage, he's not here. So how does that work out? When Jesus left, ascended into the heavens, disciples waited around in Jerusalem for a period of about nine days, and then the Spirit came upon them. And in that moment, this is what happened. They were given the power of the Spirit that was upon Jesus and each and every one of them. So now there's not just one Jesus going around doing miracles and teaching with the authority and the power of God. Now every individual who's now been blessed with the indwelling Spirit has the same power and authority that Jesus Christ had. 
So you see how it's to our advantage? If you are saved and you have the Spirit of God inside of you, there's not just one Jesus in Jerusalem or in Judea or Israel area. There's now millions of Jesuses across this nation because we have the Spirit inside of us. That is what it is to be a Christian. We represent Jesus Christ and we have the same power inside of us to do the miracles He did. He said, you would do greater things than I did. How is that possible? Because I've got the Spirit. Yet in Southern Baptist churches, we're so scared about talking about the Spirit of God because I think we're scared about tongues or someone coming in the altar and just kind of flailing around like a fish. We're scared of these sort of things. But the truth is, if we don't understand the Spirit of God inside of us and the power that is inside of us, we quench it. We snuff it out. And when we snuff it out, this is what we do as churches and as Christians. We try to do it on our own. We try to manufacture God's presence. We try to manufacture, you know, the Spirit of God is really going through that preacher, man. He really raised his voice this time. You know, I could stomp around stage and I could bang on a pulpit and I could raise, I could do all that. But if the Spirit of God is not the one moving, it's all noise. It's all fluff. We can big, build bigger buildings. We can get cooler lights, louder instruments. But if we are not relying upon the Holy Spirit to do what only the Holy Spirit can do, it's all noise. It's all noise. If there's so many churches, that is exactly what we're doing. We're trying to create the experience that God is here. Is God here? Is God here? Is He here in you? He felt his, his word speaking to your heart. He felt him trying to lead you and convict you. Not to make you feel bad or get in the dumps, but to get you to where he wants you to be and where he saved you to be. Is he here? That's the question we have to ask. The Spirit of God inside of me. Because if He's not, then I'm not saved. I'm lost. Is the Spirit of God, are we allowing the Spirit of God to do what He wants to do in this place? See, I think too often in churches, and I, I was in this place where we just come and we gather and we leave, and, and we don't even allow the Spirit of God to move because we got, well, I got things to do here in a little bit. We quench it. When was the last time you heard God speaking to your heart? When was the last time you 
follow God's lead, even if he didn't want to do it. So we are either living and keeping in step with the Spirit, which enables us to do things far beyond our own capabilities, or we're quenching the Spirit, which is to live in disobedience. God has been <clears throat> speaking to my heart um, for several years. I struggle with stuff. And my confession to you is that I, I can't continue to ignore God and what He's telling me to do and expect God to do what He wants to do through me. Because I am not keeping step with where God has wanted me to be. And my confession to you, and I have my wife as my helper to keep me accountable about that, is, is that's got to change. I've been living in disobedience to God in, in, in one particular thing. Um, <clears throat> man, confessions are fun, aren't they? And I would appreciate your prayers because I'm weak. but I want God to do something through me that I can't do on my own. And I want God to do something through this church that we can't do on our own. And that's only going to happen if we are completely submitting to the will and power and the Holy Spirit of God inside of us. Because if we don't, we're just going through the motions. I'm tired of going through the motions. When Jesus left, he, he gave us his spirit. And I want to see this incredible truth before we leave. Um, go with me to Mark chapter 13. Is anybody in here scared of sharing your faith? My hands are up, so I'm confessing. All right, all right, let me. Have you ever got to the point where you think, I should really share my faith, and then you kind of, like you, like, like you almost spiritually vomit in your mouth? And you get to that place where, what if I say the wrong thing? Anybody ever had that thought? What if they ask me something I don't know how to answer? Ever had that thought? What if, what if, uh, what if I say something stupid? You know what? I, I've been with many people, 
Christians that have studied the Spirit, that have gone to evangelism training. Anybody ever been to evangelism training classes? Yeah. What are the, well, don't worry if you missed out. Don't worry. They've gone to these trainings. They've, they've gotten the steps. I've been with people who actually have a card, and they'll, they'll go off the card. You know, A is for admit, B is for belief, C is confess. Or they have all these, and so they have all this material and all this stuff, and yet you know what they still struggle with that you all admitted you struggle with? Sharing their faith. And I believe we do this because we don't understand the Holy Spirit inside of us. Because we actually think it's about us. That's the problem. See, when Jesus left and gave us the Spirit, is to continue the work that he did, right? We carry on the work of Jesus Christ. We, we share about the kingdom of God and about God in the flesh and, and about the good news and the gospel. And, and hear this. Mark chapter 13, verse 11. The context of this passage and another one that is very similar in the gospel of Matthew is Jesus sending out disciples and he's preparing them for those moments of persecution. And some of us have shared our faith. And let's be honest, we've, we've suffered persecution. Um, people have asked us questions and, and then they've made fun of us because we've looked like, you know, we aren't very bright sometimes. But in Mark chapter 13, verse 11, and again, a similar passage in Matthew, Jesus says in verse 11, Do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but who? Holy Spirit. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says something very similar, that the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you are to say. And I think here's the issue we have, because we don't understand the Holy Spirit inside of us, and the Holy Spirit gives us the words and searches the depths of God. What we do when it comes to sharing our faith, and by the way, we are all commissioned to share our faith. What we do is we put ourselves in the way. We actually think it's about what we have to say and how we have to say it and the knowledge we have. But the reality of Scripture is when I have the Spirit of God inside of me, the Spirit of God gives me the words to say, how they need to be said, when they need to be said. And sometimes, you know what the Spirit of God does? It tells you to shut up. Well, that's not a biblical word, so... <laughs> Sometimes the Spirit of God just tells you you need to just listen. The Bible tells us that the Spirit, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, searches the depths of God. And so here's the truth. If you're scared about sharing your faith, that's good. That's good. Because it's not about you. It's not about the words you have to say. It's about the Spirit of God enabling you and empowering you to say what needs to be said when it needs to be said. It doesn't give any of us an excuse to not share our faith. And when we have that fear, we need to understand how Scripture reveals it, that it is not the Spirit of God giving us the fear to not share our faith, but instead, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, the Spirit that God gave us is not a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love and self-control. 
So when you have that fear, I really should share my faith. I really should tell them about Jesus. I really should invite them to church. I really should do something for them in the love of Christ. And you have that fear about doing that. Understand that that fear is not of God. That fear is Satan trying to get you to quench your obedience to God. we would just surrender to the Spirit. How many do we have here today? Is Darren still in here? He's out there, right? That's not the time you don't want to be in the room when the preacher asks if you're here. Right. Real quick. I get... 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, I'm not counting. See how many I have at church? 21, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. 31, 2, 3, 4, 5. Stop that. <laughs> All right, 78, 79 in here right now in the church. I'll edit that out later. Just think. Five minutes. Or ten. We're going to leave this place. Right? 79 of us are going to leave this place with the power of the Spirit inside of us to do the work of Jesus Christ and greater things that He did on this earth. Just think if we actually believed that. What would happen? God used 12, 20 people at most to bring 1,000 to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in one sitting. Just think if 79 of us unleashed upon this world with the power of the Spirit inside of us and relying upon the Spirit, what God could do. Just think about what God would do if we completely surrendered and relied upon His Spirit to do what He wanted to do in this room and Wednesday Night Live. Just think. Do you think we're thinking big enough now? That's the Spirit. Beyond our capabilities. And as we get ready to leave, I want to I leave you with one more passage. First Peter, real quick. First Peter chapter 1. Sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1. <laughs> chapter 1, verse 3. Those moments of doubts, those, tum- those moments as I, as I look forward and I ask you for your prayers and for my accountability and Jamie to kick my tail when I come unaccountable. For those moments that right now that, that God has revealed in your life, there are some things in your life that need to change. There's things in your life that you know that you need to stop doing, or there's things in your life you need to start doing. And when those moments happen, you know what automatically happens in our life? Fear. What's that look like? How am I going to handle that tomorrow? 
How am I going to handle that next week? How's that going to change my life or my family's life? How's it going to change my job? How's that going to change my marriage or my relationship? How's that going to change my, my, my relationship with people around me? Automatically fear. When God calls us to do something, the first thing that happens in our mind is Satan brings fear. And you know what fear will do? Cripple us. When God gives us a vision about doing something incredible for this church and this community, you know the first thing we want to do? Well, how's that? How much is that going to cost? What, what, uh, uh. Fear of the unknown. But hear this incredible promise in first, or 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His, being God's, what? Divine power. What power is that? That's the power of God indwelling inside His believers. And what has He done? He has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things that pertain to life and godliness. And where I need to get and where we need to get as a church is whatever God is calling us to do, wherever God is calling us to go, even if it's beyond our ability, then praise the Lord because that means we have to completely rely upon Him. But He promises in His Word, He has given us all things that pertain to this life and to godliness. All things. not a victory he hasn't already won for you. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Brothers and sisters in Christ, are we ready for God to shake the foundations of Harvest Hill? God to make us uncomfortable. If you're here this morning as a believer in Christ, my challenge to you is if God has been speaking to your heart about doing something and you've been reluctant to do it, then know that you're living in disobedience, you're quenching the Spirit, and God will not bless that. He won't. So whatever God has put upon your heart that needs to change and you need to start doing, it's time that we make a, a statement of faith that, God, we're going to do it. Even if we don't understand it or even how it looks or how we're going to get it done, we're going to do it. Maybe that's you need to be involved in a ministry, but you're scared to death that you can't do it. Good. I hope it's not you doing it anyway. You only get in the way. I'd only get in the way. Maybe it's some people, maybe it's just, you know what, I need to start tithing. I haven't tithed, ever. But I look at the math and the count, and it just doesn't work out. Are you going to trust God? Are you going to quench the Spirit? Maybe you're here and you know this is where God wants you to be, but you've yet to make it known to everybody else. Are you going to trust God and, and allow God to bless you simply by stating, this is where God wants me to minister and to be? Maybe you're here this morning and you've <laughs> heard sermon after sermon after sermon and you're at this place where, you know what, I don't even know if I'm saved, but I've been going to church so long. If I go to an altar call now, but you know you need to do it. Are 
you going to be obedient? The Bible says if we don't have the Spirit of God, then we are not sealed for eternity. We're therefore not saved, and we're not children of God, and we're destined for hell. But God has brought you here today to make sure that's not true. He's a good, good father. And he's inviting you to a relationship with him through his spirit. Are you going to respond? Let's worship you and come up and let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. God, I am a mess. I am a complete mess. And I thank you for the grace and mercy you've continued to show me. I thank you for the the understanding you've given me by your spirit. Father, I pray in this time and in this place Lord, that your spirit just have your way with us. When we began, before we opened up your word, you're welcome here. You're welcome in our heart. You're welcome in this church. And Lord, the truth is you're not only welcome, Lord, we beg for you to have your way with us. Lord, forgive us as a church if we've been disobedient in, in what we should be doing for your glory. If we've, if we've looked at other things and said that can't be done right now, Lord, forgive us for our lack of faith. Lord, forgive us as individuals if we have heard you calling and crying as a loving Heavenly Father for us to move or to be somewhere or to do something and we have continued to live in disobedience. Lord, forgive us for quenching the power and the fire of your Spirit inside of us. Forgive us for limiting and putting you in a box saying this is how it should be done or what it should look like or, or where it should go. Father, forgive us if we have tried to be God and we have not just submitted. Father, there's not a person in this room that has it all together, and you know that. But Lord, I, I believe heart in this room is that we all desire to be where you want us to be. Do what you want us to do. Father, to glorify you. Father, we are weak. Or many of us in this place are scared. in your spirit that empowered men and women to do incredible acts. Empower us in this moment to be obedient. Lord, forgive us in those times that we've gotten in the way, but don't let that happen in this moment. Father, I pray for the individual and individuals in this room that are right here, right now, that are having questions. Lord, you know who they are. You know them by name. You know the hairs on their head. Father, I pray that you give them understanding. 
I pray for those individuals that have yet to accept you as Lord and Savior that in this moment they just can't sit there anymore. They don't care what men think, but Lord, they just want to glorify you in this moment that they're ready to come and let it be known. Father, we are your people who you have called by name to be a royal priesthood in a holy nation. The Lord, forgive us for living unholy lives. Father, I felt your spirit in this room. I've seen your spirit moving in this place in the last couple months. But Lord, I know we've yet to see it all. We've yet to see the full glory of what you want to do here. So I praise the pastor you've placed in this church for your forgiveness. For making it about us sometimes. Lord, I pray as the pastor of this church to give us strength as a church body and a family to just lay this at your feet. So have your way with us. Lord, in this time and place as we sing another song, let it not be words in vain that come out of our mouth, but Lord, let our hearts be responding. Father, I don't know I don't know what you want to fully do, but I know your spirit has revealed that. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand as we sing.